This is History Potpourri, a podcast devoted to an assortment of historical topics by world history students. Japan shifted a few meters to the east, and the coastline receded about half a meter. That is like at least a few hot dogs. Welcome back to the Mystery of History. I'm Mallory. I'm Liz. And I'm Kevin, and we are your virtual hosts. Today we'll be learning about the Fukushima disaster. The Fukushima disaster was a nuclear power plant that experienced a natural disaster in 2011 and has had long-lasting effects on its environment still to this day. But let's dive into the more specific details of this tragic event. According to the Nuclear Energy Institute, nuclear energy comes from splitting atoms in a reactor to heat water into steam. turning a turbine and generating electricity. This alternate type of energy offers many advantages, one of them being that it is emission-free. The Fukushima Nuclear Power Station was located in Futaba, Okuma, less than 200 miles north of Tokyo, Japan. The first of six nuclear stations were built around 1971 by Tokyo Electric and Power Company, also known as TEPCO, uh, that are responsible for generating large amounts of Japan's energy. Almost three decades before, in 1986, the Chernobyl disaster struck the world and showed the long-lasting effects of nuclear disaster on the environment. There is an area called the Red Forest because of the number of trees that died turning brown and red after the explosion. The town that once flourished with the activity is now uninhabitable by humans. Because of the extensive amount of radioactivity in that area, now there, the land has grown has a growing population of wildlife that has taken over the land. The world saw the lasting effects that nuclear energy disasters can cause, but Chernobyl would not be the last. On March 11, 2011, an earthquake of a 9.0 magnitude consequently started a tsunami that caused a disaster to be remembered. The tsunami disabled the main heating and cooling system of the reactors, which caused the nuclear accident. Japan shifted a few meters to the east, and the coastline receded about half a meter. That is, like, at least a few hot dogs. It resulted in almost 600 square kilometers of flooding and destroyed over a million buildings and structures. The tragic tsunami took the lives of 19,500 civilians. And so basically, the change of events that happened was a quick succession of losing AC power, losing the cooling of the heating rods, and the water completely draining out of the tubes that contain the nuclear rods. And so basically the rods themselves depend on the water to not only cool them, but also the water shields the outside from radiation because if anyone has had Wi-Fi in their houses before, bodies of water are really good at deflecting radioactivity. And so having no coolant and no shielding, the fission reactions started getting more and more violent and eventually it led to a big nuclear explosion that we still feel the effects of today. Because of the Chernobyl disaster decades earlier, the people of Japan were more prepared and they were able to respond to the situation with better safety precautions. But even with all of the precautions they took, radiation is very dangerous and it was still hard to assist the workers at the plant. But in the end, only three employees ended up dying as a result. 
By the next day, the evacuation zone had increased to 20 kilometers from the nuclear power plant. How did they actually calculate the evacuation zone? Well, they used microsieverts, which is a measure of how much radiation is hitting the sensor, essentially. And so basically, about a thousand microsieverts uh, in, in a total lifetime can cause fatal cancer a long ways into your life in about like five people in every 100 people. So it's about a 5% chance increase uh, from just being exposed to that much. And essentially anything under it is pretty much fine. I mean, bananas are radioactive and that's like eating like over 2000 bananas. Um, by the next month, the radiation levels were already 60 times higher than normal. Authorities claimed though that this was no risk to people in Japan who were outside the evacuation zone. So beyond those 20 kilometers of the evacuation zone and elsewhere, the levels were a fraction of what they were inside by the power plant. Um, and by the end of July, the highest MSV levels within 30 kilometers of the power plant were 0.84 per day. For reference, the limit set by the government for the public was 0.09 per day. By 2013, over two years later, Japan's Nuclear Regulation Authority, also known as the NRA, determined that the areas in the evacuation zone most contaminated were now three-fourths of their original size. And another cool effect that resulted from this entire thing was the- Whoa, whoa, whoa there! Why did I suddenly get cut out? Oh, sorry, it's just editor Kevin in post-production. And sadly, I don't think that my 20-minute rant about strontium-90 entering your bones and becoming a new source of radioactive dating for humans is actually relevant to this podcast. So instead, I'm just going to do this and talk about how the fluorine is actually making the freaking frogs get- million tons of radioactive water are now currently stored in tanks according to the Rodders report by the plant's operator this is equal to about 500 olympic sized swimming pools tokyo electric power company is running out of space to contain these nuclear active water this nuclear okay let me start over about 1.3 million tons of radioactive water are currently being stored in tanks by the plant's operator. This is equal to 500 Olympic-sized swimming pools. Tokyo Electric Power Company is running out of space to contain this radioactive water, with these tanks expected to fill by 2022. Luckily, within the last year, Japan's government has made a plan that enables them to treat and filter the water and plan for its release back into the ocean. A total of 1.3 tons of water will go through the process and return back to the ecosystem. Although the plan has had a largely positive response, some marine scientists and even locals are concerned about the overall effect on the wildlife, as although the water is being treated, it still may be slightly contaminated and harm the fish and the life inside the water. Though, lots of other scientists also argue that it is not that big of a deal because the ocean is incredibly large and also it the filtering pro process is uh, very thorough and uh residents don't report actually having any defects uh aside from the initial ones 
you know, from the people who really caused it. Uh, the radiation just simply was... The people between the exclusion zone and just being, like, completely safe, they were only getting, like, 10 microsieverts over their entire lifetime, um, over, like, their lifetime dose recommendations. And, um, even, the like, the people living further away, like, it was only, like, an 0.2 millisieverts per year increase. Not a lot actually happened from radiation. After the tragic events of the Fukushima nuclear disaster, the world was forever changed. Opinions on safety and the need for nuclear energy decreased and fear increased. This event and the events of Chernobyl several decades before have created a sense of urgency to continue changing the technology of nuclear power plants to ensure safe production of energy. And thank you to all of our listeners today for tuning into this episode of Mystery of History over the Fukushima disaster. Our sources came from Britannica, Wikipedia, NRE Energy, World Nuclear Information, Power Technology, and the American Association for the Advancement of Science. What you're hearing right now is Lovejoy's One Day, covered by yours truly along with Amy Drums over on Instagram. Other music includes Eccentric, I Can Show You, Persona 5, Bar Crossroads, Deltarune, Hip Shop, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Ventodoro, Undertale, Megalovania. And as always, thank you for listening, and please tune in for next episode.